it's a pleasure to be back and uh, to see y'all here. Um, <clears throat> I have a poem I'm going to read, and uh, I don't always read poems. I gotta be gotta be pretty uh, spiffy if I'm going to read a poem to you. And uh, it's it's one you've probably heard before. Um, and it's one that I uh, I seem to think sort of it's sort of uh, it makes a pretty good point. Uh, and, and it's not exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, but it's kind of a point as to why uh, over the next uh, probably four or five uh, times that I may get to preach, uh, we'll talk about what we're going to talk about tonight and, and aspects of that. But I'll start off this way. And, and not if you've heard this before. Have you heard the poem, the, the Six Blind Men of Hindustan? Have you heard that? Yeah, you're like, yeah you've heard that. Okay, well, if you haven't heard it, you're going to hear it tonight. And here it goes. <clears throat> It was six men of Hindustan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happened to fall against his broad and sturdy side at once began to bawl. Bless me, it seems the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of his tusk Cried, ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, then boldly up and spake. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most, what most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, said he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact, who can? This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Hindustan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. And then there's another line to that that I'd never heard before, but I'll read it. So oft in theologic wars, the disputants, I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean. And prate about an elephant not one of them has seen. And uh, that uh, is a humorous uh, um, poem, I guess you could say, to describe when you focus on one part of something. Um, and what I want to talk about uh, the next few times as the Lord allows uh, are the different aspects, the different aspects of salvation. Um, I'm not discounting uh, the wiles of the devil and his influence in confusing people about salvation and what salvation is and what it means and who's responsible for it and what part do we play, what part God plays. Uh, but I can't help but wonder uh, in these various aspects of salvation if we don't have something similar to these blind men who focus on one aspect or focus on another aspect rather than focusing on all of them. And when I say that, I mean, th I mean 
things that are true about our salvation, I just listed a few. Propitiation, adoption, reconciliation, redemption, justification, sanctification, uh, you know, even glorification. These aspects of salvation that are true in our life, uh, in our lives, uh, past, present, and future. But, uh, but what we realize, you know, those may vary, you know, depending on where we are. Either before we're born, during our lifetime, our Christian life, and when we are in heaven with our Savior. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that. And so the first one that I want to talk about, um, and, and it's probably because it's the shortest, um, and, and don't, don't be, fear not. Um, this is the kind of thing, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and if you want to write this down, you're probably not going to be doing a lot of turning, because I'm not. I just went ahead and sat down and got all the, I mean, it's, you know, it's, anyhow, uh, <clears throat> Uh, you can really get into high grass uh, with, with some of these uh, 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 subjects from a theological standpoint, and that's not my attempt. My attempt is, is to just sort of, you know, expose them in the scriptures and, and talk about some aspects of them that hopefully will help us to be better Christians. Because after all, that's, that's why I read the Bible. I need help. And I need wisdom, and I want something that's going to make me a better Christian. And, uh, and hopefully something I say tonight will, will help you with that too. Definition. Adoption. Adoption. Now, this is, this is a compilation of the, the meaning of the word and how it was applied originally and how it's used in the scriptures. And this is just kind of like a compilation. And I'll just put it this way. The act of God... Whereby children of God, redeemed by Christ, are placed in the family of God. And I don't know what to do about that. This is a lapel mic, and I don't have a lapel. The act of God, whereby children of God, redeemed by Christ, are placed in the family of God as adult sons with all the blessings, privileges, and responsibilities of that adoption. And I can't speak intelligently about adoption because I have... I, I grew up in, uh, in uh, the home in which I was born, and, and as, a, as an adult, I have never adopted a child. I know folks in the church have, and, and they could probably speak more intelligently about that. So I can only imagine. But I can only imagine that someone who doesn't have a mom and dad, uh, I can only imagine how they, how they might feel the day they're adopted. And you can imagine, too, and uh, whatever your imagination is, that you, that, that's just kind of true about our salvation, being adopted into God's family and the things that are true there. And we'll talk about those. Um, there, the word is used five times in the New Testament. Not very many times is the word used, and one of them is referring to Israel. Uh, but that's uh, all we'll say about that. Um, <clears throat> what I want to talk about, and, and this is about as outline as I'm going to be. I, I'm, I've never been much of an outline guy, but this is an outline. And so we'll talk about this. As far as adoption is concerned, we want to look at the time of the adoption uh, from eternity past. And I'm going to read a passage, and if you want to write this down or turn to it or whatnot, but Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, has ble who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, 
wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, to which I say amen to all that. And, uh, and I know that you sitting there listening to me reading is not getting the full effect, so I encourage you, if you want to, to write that down and you go back and read that and just sort of stew over it um, about what we have. But that is something, my adoption is something that was true in eternity past. And I really wanted to go down a rabbit trail just now, and I, I'm not. So, uh, amen. In the, in the present time, 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Pastor Capel, what would you do with my water? I was reaching for it and I couldn't, I thought it was there. Sorry. <laughs> we'll do that again. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. Just wanted to stop and say, behold. That, well, that, well, if, if, I was if I was a translator, I would have said, wow. Check it out. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, I ran, I ran a little past where I wanted to, but I did it for a reason. Because one of the things I noticed in reading and studying about adoption, one of the, thing that, one of the things that was tied to adoption in the scriptures, and it, just didn't, it wasn't just chance, one of the things that's, been that's tied to some of the discussion about adoption and being children in the family of God is, is, is righteousness. And, and uh, avoiding, abstaining from, whatever word you want to use, from sin and walking in Christ and glorifying him. That's sort of a common theme along with this adoption. I just thought that was interesting. In Galatians... Oh man, I don't, yeah, I'm going to read it all. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21 and following. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it wasn't. Because we can't keep the law. But the scripture hath concluded all understand that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And that idea of the schoolmaster is during this time, during this, this sort of, this, this, if you want to call it, this, this, this Hellenized time in the world, this, the Greek that the Romans kind of adopted. But you had the schoolmaster. That was like this, and a lot of times it was a slave who taught, the master's children. And when the, ch when the child misbehaved, whack. And when the child didn't do the schoolwork right, whack. Would, would smack them, would, would whip them, would, 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 would discipline them. That was something that the schoolmaster did. And that's what the law was to the Jew. Because they were sinners. And they messed up. And the law went whack. The law went whip. The law went discipline. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. 
For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll just say that again. Ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. And I am a child of God. And I am just repeating myself on purpose. I am a child of God and so are you. And that's just amazing because I was born with my back to God. I was born at enmity with God. And now I'm his child. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye all are one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's true now. Children of God now. And in the future, Romans chapter 8. I'll just read a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 8 verses 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And, and I think, I put it this way, and maybe, maybe I put it this way because I've heard it before or I read it or I thought about it, I don't know. Um, but uh, Abba, Father, Papa, Dada. Abba, Father. In my, in my imagination about being adopted on this earth, in my imagination about that, I would imagine that there are people who are adopted into a family where maybe there's not a lot of love there. I, I, I mean, I guess that's possible. But what I think usually happens is people are adopting for a reason. And it's because they want a child that they can love and call their own and raise them up and have themselves a family. And, uh, and I would imagine that most children who are adopted, they go from, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know if the word, I think, I think the word orphanage, I don't know if that's still a word or if it's called something else. But um, I think about a, a, a school full of children who have no parents. And one of them is adopted. And now instead of being uh, in a dorm with other children that have no parents, now they're in a home, they're in their, their own bed. And they have a mom and dad that reads to them and prays with them and, and makes meals for them and loves them. That's what I think about. And that's who our father is. He's our papa. He's our daddy. As a heavenly father. I'm not being disrespectful. Again, because that's one aspect of our heavenly father. We're not ignoring the other ones. We're just highlighting this one tonight. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Um, I know you're going to think this is dumb, but I got Cooper a go-kart for Christmas when he was five. But it was a little one. Um, and, you know, how fast can it go, right? <clears throat> well, it, as it turns out, this little go-kart could pull me up a steep hill. Um, but uh, he, uh, he got in this thing. I pulled the cord, and he took off down the driveway. And he made a left turn. I didn't want him to leave the driveway, um, <clears throat> but I guess he kind of didn't have a choice. Um, and he's going down the road. He goes down the driveway and he turns and goes that way. And so I'm watching him. And he, and he, he, he kind of, as a five-year-old, he kind of realizes, okay, this is not working. Something's wrong here. 
And he kind of looks over at me and he goes, ah, you know, and he wasn't really like panicking, but he's just kind of like, he's at the beginning of panic. And that's when my slippers and my robe, because it was outside, I went running across the yard and ran up there and pulled his hand off the throttle and that was the end of that. And then of course, when I told him how to, taught him how to use it, then he wrecked it and had to, okay, that's enough of that. But um, yeah, he, uh, he's, he, he's my son, I'm his dad. And when he got in trouble, he turned to me. He cried out for me. And I know I'm spending a, a good bit of time here, but, but that's, our, that's our Heavenly Father. He's our dad. Are you in any kind of trouble? And do you have a need? We cry, Abba, Father. And we have a Heavenly Father who hears us. And He loves us. And His arms are outstretched. And I know we're grown-ups. We're not supposed to feel like kids anymore. Well, you're talking to the wrong guy. Um, but uh, he's our papa. If you have a need, you cry out to your heavenly father. Is he able to meet your need? Is he going to meet your need? Don't answer that. That's rhetorical. Is, he, is your heavenly father going to give you what you need? Anyhow, Scripture's referring to us being children, the adoption. And here's what I want to talk about tonight. Here's what I want to get to, and we'll go through this rather quickly, and here's more, more to outline. Okay, so we're adopted as children of God who have, who have put our faith in Christ for our salvation. One of the things that happened to us is we were adopted into God's family. And with the adoption comes blessings, privileges, and responsibilities. And I have to admit that this one was kind of left up to me uh, to come up with these. <laughs> you know, in my reading and studying, and what, 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 what do I see as the blessings of adoption? And here they are. Access to God. Access to God. And we don't have to go through a person. We don't have to come to a building. We don't have to climb a particular mountain or go to a particular temple or offer a particular sacrifice to have access to God. We, because we are adopted, we have access to God. We got more access to God than Esther had to her husband. And we talk about how good that was when we read about Esther. Taking her life in her hands, but he just loved her. And so she walked in and he said, held the scepter out. Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. I didn't ask you to come here, but you're accepted. You know, that was, whew. But that's not us as children of God with access to God. We don't have a, whew, he's in a good mood today, access to God. Right? We have access to God. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him, by the faith he gave us to put in him. <laughs> faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 10.19 uh, through 24 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. No rope around our leg. No bells so people can hear whether or not we're still moving around in there. No veil to go in behind. You know, when it's our turn. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. There it is again, righteousness. 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Provoke one another unto good works. Yeah, because we're brothers and sisters with the same father. We have access to God. We have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. I'm going to read it all. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Wow. Behold. <laughs> King James word. Behold. I lost my place. That's all right. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. <laughs> okay. Heirs of God. Wow. Join heirs with Christ. Just some stuff to think about. <laughs> you know, I mean, we read the Bible and we go, yeah, we believe that. Okay, that's who we are. We just keep reading. I, maybe I, I correct. I mean, let me take that back. I read the Bible and I read something. I go, yeah, that's true. And I keep reading. But when I stop and think about, wait a minute. I'm an heir. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. And what did I do to deserve that? You can answer that one. Nothing. I didn't do a thing. I didn't save somebody's life. I didn't, I didn't rescue some bum from a burning home. I didn't, uh, I didn't give somebody a great stock market tip. I didn't do anything for anybody to let me be an heir in their unbelievably rich and powerful family. But that's me. And that's you. Heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation that was for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together to, in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. And it's interesting. The Spirit of God, when I when I am indwelt with the Spirit of God at salvation, that's called the earnest of my inheritance, among other things. Yeah, but I mean, earnest of my inheritance. So that's my down payment. Earnest down payment. That's a down payment of what I got coming. The Spirit of God indwelling me. You don't understand it. That's a down payment of what I got coming. My adoption is the same way. I'm adopted for the foundation of the world. Adopted to salvation. But I haven't, and it was interesting. I'm not going to really say it. It was a very, very fancy theological way. That when, I, when I read this one thing I read, I was like, wow, I should write that down and read it. But I'm not going to read it. <laughs> yeah. We, we, the full realization of our adoption comes when we drop this body and we, with our glorified body in heaven with him. The full deal. We're just reading the... What is that? What did he go to? Reading the will. Reading the will. We have an inheritance. That's a blessing of adoption. Access to God and inheritance... <laughs> Oh, this, this is my favorite now. You know, if things get a little wet up here, you just have to forgive me. Um, 
Luke chapter 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12. I would love for you to read along with me in Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. This is my joint heir talking. That just sounds wrong, doesn't it? It just sounds weird, <laughs> doesn't it? But it's true. This is my Savior. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. Hmm, okay. Well, I'm not a big flower guy. I don't grow stuff. You know, I'd rather have sawdust around me than dirt. Um, so, okay, I just have to sort of consider. I have to think about it. Um, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, neither. They toil not, they spin not. They don't work. They don't make clothes. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if I was in the crowd, I'd be like, oh, now, Jesus, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, you, know, you read about some of these clothes that these kings wore. I mean, you know, some flashy stuff with like gold thread embroidered in it and purples and, and all this other kind of stuff that mean, that mean all these things and jewels embedded. In the, I mean, that's pretty fancy. I mean, a flower is nice, but, you know, it's not like that. The only problem is, is that when did Solomon ever grow his clothes? Solomon got up one morning and went out in the sunlight and his clothes just grew out of his body. Now that's impressive. Solomon had to have somebody make his clothes. And Solomon, when he gets up in the morning, you know, and I don't know, maybe just his breath, but when he gets up in the morning, he probably doesn't smell all that great. And so what he has to do is he has to have somebody, some chemist, some, you know, somebody somewhere make some kind of ointment that he puts on and, ah, oh, king smells good today. But not the lilies. The lilies just, they just, they just ooze smell good. I mean, I guess. Do lilies smell good? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I guess some flowers don't, but, but I mean, some flowers don't. But anyhow, I'm assuming that lilies smell good. They're beautiful and they smell good. They grow their own clothes, and they just, they just naturally emit smell good. That's, that's pretty slick. And this is what Jesus said about that. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven... How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubt of doubtful mind. For all these things that the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth, your father knoweth. Your father knows that ye have need of these things. But rather, strong adversity, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, it sounds like some people were concerned about, about their needs, about their physical needs, about food and clothing. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you can reverse that around. Where your heart is, there where you, there's where your treasure is. Predicate nominatives and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, am the, uh, I am the object of God's love and care. My Father loves me and cares for me and provides for me. And that's your Father too if you are a believer in Christ. He loves you and cares for you and provides for you. 
the blessings of adoption, access to God and inheritance, objects of God's love and care. And then there's this one. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise, thou, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. There it is again. Partakers of holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And I think about my dad. <clears throat> my dad chastened me because I misbehave. And my dad maybe sometimes chastened me because he was in a bad mood. And I, was, I just happened to be in range. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes... Now, this, this doesn't very often, but you know it's true. And, I, and, and one, one instance I can think of, and this is, a, I'd love to tell you this story, but um, uh, I got chastened for something I didn't do. That ever happened to you? Of course it's happened. And then there were plenty of times where I didn't get chastened for something I did because I didn't get caught. That ever happened to you? But our Heavenly Father... We never get chastened for something we didn't do. And as I've told the teenagers, I've told the teenagers everywhere I've went, ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Oh, these politicians and all, all, all these DAs and all that. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Yeah. God's not going to, oh, I, I didn't know that you, oh, that was you? I thought, that you, no, didn't happen. As a heavenly father, his chastening is always right and always righteous, and, and he never misses one. One doesn't get by him. Never. He, ne he never chastens us because he's in a bad mood, and we just happen to be coming to him in prayer, and, well, you're there, so I'm going to give it to you. It, no, that never happens with our Heavenly Father. That's the kind of father we have. I must admit that chastening, as it says here, is grievous, uh, and so I don't look forward to it. I try to avoid it like grim death, but, um, but it says it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. One of the blessings of adoption is God's correction. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I'm just going to read it. The Father's comfort. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all... Our tribulation. He comforteth me in all my tribulation. He comforteth you in all your tribulation. Just a reminder that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted 
of God. The blessings of adoption. Access to God and inheritance. Objects of God's love and care. The Father's chastening. And the Father's comfort. The blessings. The privileges of adoption. Pastor Capel, how long do I have? Okay, I can stop anytime, which, which is what's going to happen. Um, the privileges of adoption. We'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just, it's a verse. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Jesus said that to his disciples. And the Holy Ghost comes upon us. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Do you always, do you, do you feel very powerful? Do you feel like you have power sometimes and you're facing problems and man we feel so weak and humanly speaking we are. The armor of flesh will fail us. We know that. Um, but the power that worketh in us. One of the privileges of adoption is that God gives us his power. We'll move along. God gives us his provision. We talked about that. Here's another, here's another form of what we just read. Therefore, Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Boy, that's something that I ought to spend some time sitting down and thinking about. That, that statement. Jesus just said that. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Hmm. The privileges of adoption. Power. And provision. Philippians 4.19. <clears throat> uh, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's talking to us. Power. Provision. Eternal life. Eternal life. We don't want to leave that one out. <laughs> and this idea of salvation and aspects of salvation, for God so loved the world. Hey, I can remember when I was a kid in church and, and somebody looked at me and said, you don't know John 3.16? God did something I, I didn't know. For God so loved the, the world. They almost got it wrong. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did I get that right? Everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who, when, when do I have that? When? When does my eternal life start? <laughs> Practically speaking, at salvation. We have eternal life now. We don't have eternal life when we die. We don't have eternal life after the rapture. We've got it now. 1 John 2.25 And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. That's a promise. No, I take it back. I think people who think God's promise. No, I take it back. You got it. Now you don't. You have eternal life. Okay, now you don't. Well, if you don't have it, that wasn't eternal life. How can eternal life not be true at some point. That means it's not eternal life. Interesting. Eternal life. John 20, 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Life meaning eternal life. 
we have eternal life. And we have victory, privileges of adoption, power, provision, eternal life, and victory. 1 John 4, 4, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8, 31 through 39. You know I'm going to read it all. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Man, I tell you, I, I may very well. See, I have memorized this, but I'm not going to stand here and try to, you know. I mean, I just about didn't get John 3.16 right. Um, you know, trying to remember something and staring at all you, you folks um, and saying it. Uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? That sounds like something that I would say. I'm looking at Brother Steve. That sounds like something Brother Steve would say. I'm talking to Pete one night, and I'm talking about some daunting trouble, and it sounds like something Pete would say. Well, if God's for us, who's against us? You know, that just sounds like something. But this is God's word. This is not me talking. This is God's word. And he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that? Nobody. Boy, I need that reminder. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Condemnation is over. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I know sometimes you think that. You know, the car breaks down and first thing we think is, oh, what I do, Lord? Actually, that's the second thing I think. The first thing I think is, why did I buy a Ford? But uh, then the second thing I think is, oh, what did I do, Lord? You know, I just said that because we got a lot of Ford people in here. <laughs> yeah, something happens. Stub my toe. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I know I wouldn't. I was, I was thinking ugly thoughts about that guy. And I, you know, every time something bad happens, we just, you know. <clears throat> as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's pretty much anything, nothing, anybody, everything, everything, nothing can. That's victory. We are adopted. And the blessings are access to God and inheritance, objects of God's love and care, the Father's chastening, and the Father's comfort. The privileges of adoption are power, provision, eternal life, and victory. All these things are true. <clears throat> but then there are responsibilities, and we are not going to talk about them tonight because it's, I'm out of time. But we'll talk about them because though blessings and privileges are true, Sadly to say, my responsibilities aren't always true with me. And we'll talk about them. But that's okay. Because we can just kind of focus on and think on and sort of stew over what we have as children who've been adopted 
by God. And I had a zinger of a closing illustration, and I'm not going to use it. We're just going to leave it at that. God has given us that through salvation. So much more has he given us in salvation. But one of the things that's true, and one of the things that you and I can take away from here tonight, is that we've been adopted into God's family. He's our papa. And we can remind ourselves of that even during times of temptation, especially during times of temptation. I mean, you've heard people say, oh, now you go out there, son. Hey, don't, don't do anything to shame the family name. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't do anything to shame the name of Christ. Taking the Lord's name in vain is, involves a lot more than just saying his name like a cuss word or an exclamation. Taking the Lord's name in vain means a lot more than that. And uh, as, a, as a child of God, I have his name. And that's a, that's a reminder and encourager, an encouragement to me to, uh, to walk in righteousness and holiness and in and, and, and service for him. Because not just because of what he's done for, more, done for me, but because of what he has given me. Father, we thank you for adopting us into your family. We thank you that tonight we're about to come to you in prayer, crying out to you for needs that we have. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you are able and are willing to meet those needs. And I pray, dear Lord, that, that we would live our lives for your glory. That we would, that we would resist the devil that we would f flee from temptation because we are, we are your children. And uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight to, to think about what you've done for us in Jesus' name.